Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Philosophy of Fitness podcast, episode number 35. My name is Haley, and I'm going to be your host today and every single day that you are tuning in. Today, I am joined with James McRae. He is an author. He's a poet, an amazing guy. We had such an incredible conversation. If you're familiar with his Instagram account, he's also known as Words Are Vibrations over on there, and he also has a podcast called Words Are Vibrations as well. So we had a really awesome conversation just about what the hell is happening in the world right now from a spiritual lens, from a bit of a different perspective. James also shares a lot of his story and his you know, spiritual journey, what kind of led him down that path of wanting to share his message and his truth. And yeah, we just had a really insightful, awesome conversation diving into it all. We get really esoteric today, my friends. So fasten your seatbelts. We dive into everything. So if you're interested in listening to that, then go ahead and tune in. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Philosophy of Fitness podcast. Today, I am joined with James McRae. He's an author, a writer, super cool guy. Um, Welcome, James. Thank you, Haley. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on. I have to say, for those of you listening, James has an Instagram account called Words Are Vibrations, and I stumbled on your account I think maybe like a month or so ago, and every single post, I'm like laughing to myself. I'm like, this is so spot on. Um, for anyone listening that's into spiritual, esoteric, you know, energy stuff, things that are in that realm, it's so relatable and it's so refreshing to see because I feel like um, it's a really unique space that you've tapped into. So welcome. Yeah, thank you so much. You know, one of the great things about <laughs> one one of the silver linings of, of being in quarantine is um, just having time to create you know, digital content. And I've just been like making memes and just like, you know, finding ways to be busy and creative and productive on my phone. And then it just led to me just like making a bunch of little online spiritual memes. And it's been super fun. Yeah, they are spot on. I'm telling you guys, you have to check out his account because everything I just I want to reshare everything because it's uh, it's so like relatable. Um So before we really dive into everything, I just wanted to kind of give everyone a little bit of your background, and I'm not really totally familiar with your background, too. So if you want to kind of just dive into that. Yeah, totally. Um, I grew up in Minnesota, uh, lived there for, you know, grew grew up there, um, moved to New York City uh, in 2012, which was... um, you know, kind of a a big jump into the unknown for me at that time. I kind of, you know, quit my job and just kind of took a leap of faith, hoping to kind of become a writer in in New York City. That seemed like the place to do it. You know, that's where all of the writers and poets that I'd kind of um, looked up to hit all, it seemed to have passed through New York City. It seemed like something that I needed to do. And um, yeah, shortly after arriving in New York City, I was like, struggling to find a job. I was struggling to just kind of gain my footing. And that's when Hurricane Sandy hit. And I had just got my first apartment and Hurricane Sandy completely wiped out and destroyed my apartment. And I was unemployed, homeless, wow. not many friends in the city, still trying to set down roots. And um, I had a friend that was living in this um, Caribbean island called Culebra. And he's like, listen, come stay with me for a while just until, you know, the dust settles. And I ended up like 
writing out the aftermath of the hurricane on this small Caribbean island. And that's when I essentially had like a bit of a transformation in a way because I had, you know, I basically didn't have any money. I had no where to live. I was kind of stranded on this little island and it really just kind of like led me to do a lot of like self-discovery and self-searching. And that's kind of when I started to realize that like, okay, human beings have an ego and they also have like a higher self. And essentially like our daily lives are an ongoing dialogue and battle between the ego and the higher self. And that's what it's like, that really became clear to me. And um, I realized like, oh, that's kind of a cool topic for a book. And I ended up, just writing a bunch of stuff around that. And then it ended up becoming um, my first book, which is called Shit Your Ego Says. And it was just kind of an amazing experience because I thought that I had like completely failed. Like I had moved to New York City. I had failed. I was homeless. Like I was at the end of my, you know, end of my rope. But it was in that experience that kind of led me to, you know, writing a book and becoming an author. And it was actually like, the failure was actually like a stepping stone in disguise kind of thing. So, um, and since then I've just been writing a ton and creating online content. And, um, you know, luck, luckily I, 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 my fiance and I, we had a, a foresight to leave New York city, um, at the end of 2019, we were living in this small, studio apartment in um in manhattan and um we got out basically just before covid hit <laughs> wow oh my god you lucked out we, we lucked out <laughs> i'm in new york right you now are, so where, where, are you, where are you in new york in manhattan uh no i'm on long, long island, island but i mean it's it's crazy yeah. like every single day it's like we're this close to you know a lockdown again or this happens everything is so you know rapid fire changing but Wow, you guys really got out. We got in out just in time. time. And we, we we went to LA and that was a lot better because we lived in Topanga Canyon, which was like, uh, it was like an enchanted forest, basically. So even though we were locked down, it we had nature all around us. We had trees in our, you know, surrounded by trees. But then, you know, the fire started picking up in Topanga and then um, the lockdowns were getting more severe in California. Um, so now we recently relocated to Austin, Texas, and that's where I am now. Oh, <laughs> so how do you like it down there? I've heard good things. So it's been a bit of a journey. Um, it's great. You know, I, I had never lived in the South. I'd never lived in Texas. I had barely even visited Texas, never imagined myself being here, but it's such a chill place. I mean, Austin in particular, everyone's super nice. You know, I'm from Minnesota, so, you know, it feels similar in a way, just in the sense of everyone's genuine, everyone's nice. And um, it's a cool city with a lot of, a lot going on here. So, so far, you know, I, I, 10 out of 10. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people that have, um, that have relocated during this craziness that's been going on in the world and even just changing their path. I think going back to something you said about failure being a stepping stone, I think that's so huge. Um, because I, myself, I worked a corporate job in the city and I call it kind of like a soul sucking trajectory. At least it was for me. I felt so unfulfilled. And so I quit that. I totally switched my path, um, towards fitness, personal trainer, doing all that kind of stuff. And 
it's from the failure sometimes it's from being down and being kind of almost at like a rock bottom that we can really find our place and our strength and I think even in terms of a spiritual standpoint I don't know if you would agree with this but when I had my spiritual awakening I was going through an immense amount of pressure and pain in my life that ultimately led me to that place of seeking a deeper understanding of you know what the meaning of of all of this is so I don't know if that's something that resonates with you but yeah, totally. And and along those same lines, you know, I know that your, you know, specialty is in, you know, fitness and the spirituality fitness relationship. And during that same time in New York, so after I was on this island in the Caribbean and I eventually got found my way back to New York City and I you know, I, I found some like cheap room to rent and like I had some side jobs and I still like didn't have any foundation or, or, or grounding. And I remember one day I was meditating and I it was my first time I had meditated in a long time. And like, I guess I really needed to do it. And while I was meditating, um, the word Kundalini kind of came to my head and I didn't know what that was. I, I had never oh, done wow. yoga before. I had never really explored, you know, any types of yoga or, you know, Eastern spirituality really. And, um, after meditating, I looked the word up and I found out that it was a kind of yoga and I ended up like, oh, I just kind of feel called to do this. So I started practicing Kundalini yoga and it totally changed my life. It totally gave me a sense of just like grounding uh, in, in New York. And, um, and I think living in a, in a stressful place or even a stressful time, like we all do now, um, I feel like it drives you to find that inner balance within yourself. So I, it, 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 you know, my life was so stressful at the time that I going to Kundalini on a regular basis, it just really gave me a sense of stability and inner peace because you've got to kind of like work hard for that when there's so much around you, that's kind of going crazy. And I ended up like actually becoming like a, Kundalini, I went through like a teacher training program and like, oh, wow. ended up like really having a, a pretty regular yoga practice ever since then, both Kundalini and other forms as well. Yeah, that's such a, a huge point about, you know, when pressure goes on around us, and we're grasping at all these things outside of ourselves to, to try to find a way to balance it. But I think Something that I've realized in my path, and it sounds like you have too, and I think collectively what's going on right now is that we really only have control of, of our choice. I always think of our choice as like our human superpower. So we have the choice of how we respond. So at least for me in my experience, really diving inward and, and trying to manage that rather than being so reactionary has been something that has helped me. So um, do you find that meditating has done that for you? Yeah, you know, I, I at at this point I can't really imagine not having a meditation practice, um, and it's just a good check in. You know, I, I when I wake up, I don't feel awake and kind of balanced until I do a little meditation, and sometimes I like to do long meditation. Sometimes it's great to do like an hour, you know, just to just to really go in it, get in it. But you also don't need to, you know, you can do 10 minutes, you can do eight minutes. If you are in a rush and just need a quick, like, check in with yourself, just doing like a quick breath of fire. Yeah. 
you know, rapid breathing through your nose or through your mouth, that will just connect you back with your body, connect you back with your, you know, higher self, so to speak, because otherwise we're just reacting to stimulus. We're reacting to the news. We're reacting to social media. We're reacting to everything we need to do during the day. And if we're constantly reacting, we can't create, we can't act from a place of, you know, inner balance and, and, and self. So, you know, whether it's meditation, whether it's yoga, whether whatever it is, but meditation is just like a really, you know, foolproof way. It's a, it's a really uh, reliable way um, just to, just to reconnect. And that gives you a complete more um, autonomy to kind of act from a place of empowerment rather than just reactivity. Yeah, for sure. I think collectively right now, I think on a global scale, a lot of us are stuck in that reactionary state, right? Like different things are coming out every single day. There's so much going on. Mainstream media is constantly, you know, feeding us the fear. And it's easy to get caught into that mindset of being reactionary. And I think now more so than ever, you know, in recent times, I think this is probably the most reactionary we've been as a collective, you know, I don't even know the last time that it's, that it's been this crazy. So, um, so you lived in New York, which has a really strong hustle culture, like you said, super stressful environment. It's very much go, go, go. Um, so aside from meditating, what would you say are some other things that sort of helped you stay grounded through that and have those also carried through to you now in terms of what we're dealing with on a global scale? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've lately I've compared like I've had a lot of other friends that have left New York in, in recent years and I've told them recently that like looking back it, it feels like living in New York was like living in like a some kind of like a Buddhist ashram in a way and what I mean by that is like there's this certain discipline that you get from living there because every day is kind of intense. You can't go to the grocery store without having to, you know, either get on a subway or like walk down a crowded street, like go into a crowded store. Everything's really kind of pressure all around you. So it's like, you have to, if, if you're going to like, just not get kind of totally swept away in that you need to have like discipline. Like it kind of like taught me di- like in a way, like sp- spiritual discipline and um meditation it taught me medit- it taught me like the importance of meditation it taught me the importance of yoga it taught me the importance of going deep inside of yourself because if you don't do that you're just going to get kind of tossed in the wind of external circumstances so i feel like living there for me was just it was training for everything that we're going through now in in 2020 and now 2021 is, um, you know, not getting sucked up in the whirlwind around you and just being able to stay balanced, stay grounded. And knowing that, you know, our internal reality and the internal experience can, in a, in a, in a sense, it can kind of transcend what's happening around us. You know, you, we can live in a world that is crazy and not feel and not have to react to the craziness. We can bring our, our own energy to the world. We can bring our own balance to the world 
And instead of like letting the world impact us and make us go crazy, we can actually help alleviate some of that craziness by bringing peaceful, positive, you know, energy to the, to the situation. And um, yeah, that's, that's, that's stronger than the kind of just like getting sucked up in all the craziness. Absolutely. I like that idea of, you know, kind of like a reversal, right? So rather than us absorbing what's going on around us, why don't we flip the perspective and say, you know, I'm going to influence my energy to affect everything around me. And there's a great quote from one of my favorite quotes ever. It's from uh, William Ernest Henley. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And those are words that I love to live by. So if you think of your being and your energy as your own vessel that you can protect, but that you can also share with the world, again, flipping that perspective around so that you can, um, that you can do that, that you can shine that light rather than having to absorb like a, a bad energy magnet, you know, everything that's uh, coming sucked into you. So kind of to backpedal a little bit, cause I'm curious, I know you said that you thought about shit your ego says back when you were in the Caribbean, right? Like you kind of had that idea. So what exactly, um, is that about? Like what led you to, to want to share that? When I was, you know, I, I basically felt like I was a failure. Like I had moved to New York without much of a, a plan or, a, a you know, a safety net. And when, you know, I was already having a hard enough time to kind of find my place there and then to become, you know, homeless on top of that because of the hurricane, I noticed so many negative thoughts circling in my head, like self like just like self-sabotage, like fear-based thoughts, like, oh, I'm a failure. I should never have moved to New York. This was stupid. You're not good enough to, you know, get a job in New York. Like, you're not good enough to like make it as a writer. And I just, you know, usually we, I think people live their lives with a lot of, you know, negative self-talk and um, we just distract ourselves from it. We distract ourselves with television, with, you know, in the past when stuff was open, like going out or whatever it was. Um, And, sitting being in the caribbean on literally like a deserted island essentially um i had nowhere to run i had nothing to distract myself um with so i was really left alone with my own thoughts to kind of sort it out it's like the you know the it's a little bit what like i think quarantine has been for so many people where it's almost like um the universe has sat us down and said okay now think about what you've done. <laughs> like, yeah. like we're all kind of gone time out or we're all kind of grounded and we're all kind of left alone with ourselves. And then we have to figure out, well, do I like what I'm, what I'm left alone with? Do I like when, when everything else is gone and it's just me in a room, do I like myself? And for me, I got a little bit of a head start with that in 2012, just, you know, having to evaluate um, how I've been living, how I've been putting myself out there and just coming to the realization that I didn't have to, you know, just because you think something doesn't make it true. We are not our thoughts. So my thoughts were, you know, 
they were just that that's what how most people live their lives i think is like through a little bit not not it doesn't have to be excessive it doesn't have to like be self-hatred you don't have to be suicidal to like actually have negative self-talk and i think so many people live their lives with negative self-talk doubt fear um judgment judgment of yourself judgment of others and you think that's just normal you think that's just you think all those thoughts are true, but when you realize that you are not your thoughts and there's a quieter voice that is also in our heads that isn't as loud as the ego, but it's more like a soft whisper. And that's the voice of the higher self. And that's the voice of trust and reassurance. And um, I guess I realized how important it was to switch your identification from identifying with your ego and all of your negative self-talk and all of the, you know, just the random thoughts that come about day to day and then switching our identification to the higher self, which is, you know, an expanded perspective where it's like, you know, this is my situation, but, you know, how can, um, how can I elevate above that and, you know, it was such an important lesson for me that, um, yeah, it, 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 the book just kind of flowed out and it was really, you know, moving from a place of anxiety and, and into a place of intuition. That's a powerful switch right there. That's yeah. like, that is groundbreaking. Once you've done that, you know, that's huge. Um, I'm thinking about what you said even earlier of like, I liked the analogy of the universe has us grounded right now. You know, we're all stuck at home. And I think on a grand scale, we've kind of just been forced to do like collective shadow work, right? It's like you're stuck at home. There's no distractions now. There's nowhere to go escape from it. Like you said, you can't go out. You can't party it away. You can't do whatever. You literally have to face yourself and integrate that. I think that's huge too. I think sometimes a misconception in the spiritual community is that Everything is love and light and, you know, rainbows and daisies, woohoo, you know, positive energy. But a big part of that um, is facing your shadow, right? And just becoming aware of that and sometimes deconstructing beliefs that we've been led to have about ourselves. Like you said, um, some of that low vibrational stuff like the anxiety, the guilt, the judgment um, and unraveling that and unlearning it and then moving forward with that sense of awareness. So, um, yeah, that's huge. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, so many people in their lives have had like a dark night of the soul, where it's like you lose everything or like, your perception of reality unravels because, you know, something happens or, you know, and um, the dark night of the soul is exactly what you said. It's, it's, sh it's shadow work. It's going inside of yourself and kind of facing your deepest fears and, and deepest insecurities. And I don't want to even say conquering them, but more just like making peace with them and then kind of rising from that and seeing the world from an elevated perspective where you are, you've integrated the shadow. So you no longer project, um, you know, negative emotions on your external surroundings because you've made peace with the shadow within yourself. And, I, one thing I've noticed is that the people in my life that I know who have gone through a dark night of the soul already, and they've already faced their shadow and they've already kind of, 
emerged like a phoenix from the ashes, mm -hmm. so to speak, those people are doing a lot better right now because they've been here. They, 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 they've, they've already faced their biggest fears. And now it's just like, they know kind of what's on the other end of that. And this is just, this is a broad generalization, but and the people who haven't, you know, had to face something in their lives that's challenging or even, you know, I think psychedelics are another metaphor that works as well. Like, you know, the psychedelic experience can take someone down into, into darkness, into the shadow, and it can be a terrifying experience. But then you get through that and come out the other end and you understand and you integrate that shadow. And the people who have experience with these things, dark nights of the soul, you know, deep, deep psychedelic journeys, um, I feel like that's kind of been training ground for what the world is kind of experiencing now. And it's, um, yeah, it's, and for everyone who hasn't had a chance to, to face that, um, and this is new, it's easy to understand why everyone's kind of collectively freaking out right now. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of funny how you say, you know, people that had their dark night of the soul already are a little bit more equipped for this. Um, I had a lot of shit go down for me in 2019 that I would absolutely consider my dark night of the soul, like towards the end of that year, totally deconstructed me um, and just led me on this immense journey of, of inner work and understanding myself more. And um, I think if I hadn't had that happen, that um, I would have, you know, had it happen here in the pandemic, the same thing would have happened, you know, I think uh, that same unraveling process. And I think that's kind of what the universe is is pulling us towards right now right you know it's like wake up people like let's figure this shit out because clearly it's not working right now yeah if you if, if you if you can't make friends with your own fear and yeah um, i'm trying to not use like aggressive language like conquer your fear but just making peace with it and like integrating it if, if you don't do that your fear is going to control you you know and you're going to get and, and and this is an opportunity this is a this is a, a a dark night of the soul for the world, and the silver lining of that it's it's an invitation for us all if we can not resist that and not try to fight back and and become more reactive and more fearful, which is right now what we're kind of seeing is like a lot of people are really freaking out, but really taking that opportunity to evaluate our own fears and insecurities and hopefully making peace with it so we don't let ourselves be controlled by our fear because fear at the end of the day is the only it's really the only enemy once you can make peace yeah. make you don't conquer it you make peace with it you want to make peace with your fear you're essentially indestructible because we're all i mean we're all going to die someday it's 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 just and once you really come to peace with that um nothing is as serious as our fear tries to make us think it is you know <laughs> so yeah that's powerful fear is the common enemy i mean you you said it i was thinking it in my head when you said it it's so true um and kind of to segue into just what's going on on the you know global landscape the climate right now um in my opinion i've said this before in some of my previous episodes but i think that this is the most exciting time to be alive and i know that that's going to be a hot take for some people listening to this but when things fall apart in the way that they are right now, when things are deconstructing this rapidly and the veil has been lifted so much in our face right now, like this isn't anything new. This 
shit's been going on, you know, for a long time. It's just that we're blunt, bluntly aware of everything that's going on. And I think it's from that awareness now that we have, we have the power now as our own beings, right, to kind of make a way for, for what we want. So I'm curious to hear your perspective on this, like in terms of the future, what do you, what do you hope for in the future? What do you think is going to be happening with the rate that things are going now? Yeah, I think it's so many things happening at the same time. Um, it's, you know, there's a pandemic and the pandemic is almost forgotten because of everything else that's on top of that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the shutdowns, the, the, the quarantines, the new, all the new laws that are being passed, um, you know, the, um, you know, the, the police, the police state that's really rising as a, as a reaction to it. Um, all the political stuff, all the economic stuff, and all the all the conspiracy theories that are coming out, all the, you know, the, the, the spiritual awakening that people are having, this is all happening at the same time. E even, you know, I don't know if you're following all of the, the alien disclosure stuff oh, that's yeah. coming out. You know, every, yep. every other day there's a new government um, release uh, or leak or disclosure around UFOs and alien space programs and all kinds of weird stuff. So what's happening is not one thing, it's many things at once. And one of my favorite kind of thinkers is, um, is Terrence McKenna, who is kind of a, he, I guess you could just call him a philosopher in a way, a speaker. But what he talked about, and he passed away in the year 2000, but listening to his lectures now, it's like he was so spot on to understanding what was already happening in the world. And he talked about how the world and, and society was accelerating at an exponential rate. So in other words, you know, more, more will happen in, in one year now than would have happened in a million years, a billion years ago. So the rate of novelty and the rate of change and the acceleration of technology and um, just the amount of information and data in the world, it's increasing exponentially, faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. And we've seen that with computer chip technology, right? Like every year, you know, every year the chip technology doubles and so we, what you're looking at is a rate of evolution that's not necessarily just like upward. It, it, it comes to a point where it's almost a, the curve becomes almost straight up. And this is what many people have called the singularity, um, which is, you know, a term that is kind of essentially means where tech, the, the, techno, the technology intelligence outpaces human intelligence or the singularity yeah. is a point of complete and utter change. And um, funnily enough, you know, uh, you know, I remember back in 2012 um, people, some people talked about um, the world ending because it was yep. the end of the Mayan calendar. And that was actually something that Terrence McKenna himself had identified. He had actually studied the Mayan calendar 
himself. And he was the one that kind of came to that realization that according to this ancient calendar, the world is ending in 2012. Now, 2012, when we're talking about a calendar that's thousands and thousands and thousands of years in duration, the difference in an eight-year window from 2012 to 2020, it's, it's pretty much insignificant. So I think, and, you know, what, I think what the Mayan calendar signifies is not the end of the world in a literal sense, it's the end of an age. So I yep. think that the technological singularity, the, the changing from one age to another, which also is symbolized in the changing of the age of Pisces to the age of Aquarius, which a lot of people believe is kind of happening now. It just seems like we're in the middle of a grand transformation. And I think that it's absolutely impossible for anyone to predict when everything is changing so quickly and so many things are happening at once. It's impossible to predict what the outcome will be. But I, I think it is fair to say we're going through, you know, a, a massive transformation as people, as a society, as a world. And I think, you know, in five years, the world's going to look, you know, so drastically different from what it does now. And I think anyone that's in the, pre in the prediction game is going to have a hard time because it's so hard to predict when things are changing so rapidly. But um, yeah, we're here for it. And like, like you said, it, it's exciting. And it, it, it is, it's also uh, a bit scary, you know, when things are so uncertain. But, you know, that's where, that's where meditation comes in. That's where yoga comes in. That's where fitness comes in as well. And all kinds of spiritual practices so we can weather the storm. Because I, I do believe I'm an optimist. Um, I do, I think, I do think things look bad um, in the moment, but like you said, a lot of people are waking up right now and a lot of people are going through their own transformations. And I think that when enough people essentially reach a higher level of consciousness and, 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 and the veils lifted on all the corruption that's happening in the world, um, you know, I do think that we will kind of collectively um, create a better world together. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I think it comes down to raising our vibration as a whole, right? But in order to do that, we have to first do that with ourselves. And something interesting you pointed out, I know a lot of people went crazy for the Mayan calendar back in 2012. I went crazy for it. I know so many people that did. And a lot of people had that same thinking about um, the Greek conjunction that just happened in December. I think it, what was it, Saturn and Jupiter? I think they were conjunct or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was the same kind of thing. I think, you know, some people were like, oh, this is going to end. I think it's not so much a literal death of something or an end of something. I think it's actually the death of an old system or the end of an old way to usher in a new era because look at how rapidly things are happening from December 21st to now. Like I said, that rapid craziness of just everything sort of being thrown at us at once and forcing us to be like, what the hell is going on? Um, I think that that is such a strong indication that this is the time now more than ever to, to raise our vibration, to go inward, because the more that we do that, you know, they say energy flows where intention goes. So the more that we focus on raising our vibration, going onto the positive trajectory of what we want, 
mm-hmm. um, then that's that's like the track we want to stay on, you know? Yeah. And I, I, another metaphor for that, and some people believe this literally, I, I don't believe anything literally, but I think that everything can be, you know, used as a, as a metaphor to kind of help, you know, paint a picture. So some people talk about the splitting, um, the splitting of earth is splitting into two timelines. There's yep. the, there's the 3d fear-based timeline and there's the 5d, you know, you know, elevated timeline. And I don't know like how true that is in a literal sense, but I think it's a good metaphor where we're, we're giving a choice. We're giving, we're given a choice right now. Do we want to cling to the old and the old, like the old is breaking down. Like you see what's happening in the U S government. It is, it is crumbling. The, the seams are splitting. We're seeing the, 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 you know, all the cracks in the economy. We're seeing the cracks in our healthcare system. We're seeing the, the cracks in our political system. Do we really want to cling to that old world and, and live in, in the fear that that world is, is vibrating on right now? Or do we want to let go and allow ourselves to kind of ride this wave into a new world? And we all have that choice. And I think we're going to, you know, we talk about herd immunity. Well, there's a certain fear herd immunity where when enough people decide to let go of the old world and start creating a new one, that's when we can really start to manifest and crystallize a new world when enough people decide to let go of the old and essentially jump into the unknown and create the new world together. And I think that's exactly what's happening right now with so many people. Yeah, absolutely. The collective energy. You you actually made a post, I think, I don't know if it was yesterday, but it was about riding the wave of everything going on with Grace. And that's so brilliant. It's so true. And it's like, you think about it, why are so many of us, like you said, clinging on, you know, when you feel that much resistance, at what point do you say, we should probably just let this go and think about what we actually want? Because the more you're feeding your energy into what you don't want, you're just going to be collectively, you know, I don't say it as an individual, but we're just going to be collectively creating more of that. And the harder it's going to be to let go of that and and shift. Yeah, all, all society is, is what we all collectively agree to call it, you know, what, what, you know, everything is a social agreement. We've all agreed that, okay, money is this and laws are this. And these are all just social agreements. There's no rule that this is just the way it, it should be or has to be, or, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit arbitrary based on the agreements we've made with each other. And I think now when those agreements are broken, when those, you know, when it's been exposed as not working anymore, we can just let go of those old constructs and create new ones. And that's scary because we don't know what the new ones look like yet. And, and people are afraid of letting go of the old is going to, you know, what does that mean? It's hard to let go. People are, we're addicted and attached to these things, but we've, you know, we can create new agreements. We can just agree to, you know, money can be something different. You know, um, healthcare can be something different. We don't have to, cling to the old systems when they're not working anymore. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's the way. And honestly, that's what I'm, you know, hoping for, regardless of 
any affiliation is just that we get clear about what it is that we want and who it is that we want to be. First, starting with ourselves. I think the the learning lesson that I've experienced in all of this is that if we want to really help other people, if we want to make an impact on this world, we've got to work on ourselves first and really understand and get to know ourselves. And I think that this global situation has been just that. You know, like we said, this is the time that people have been forced to stay at home, figure it out, you know, and I think that this has also been the necessary pause for enough people to delve into the spiritual realm. You know, it's something that seemed really esoteric in mainstream culture, I think, for a lot of the time, and most people would just dismiss it. Um, At least that's what my experience was. But I think now, as you've said, also more and more people are waking up to this and it's starting to become more and more um, accepted in the mainstream and and talked about. And I think that that's super important, too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I think that some people are are waiting and hoping to go back to normal. And, um, you know, I I, I think that there's a just a better opportunity here to create, uh, you know, people talk about the new normal. And that, you know, they're talking about things like, you know, vaccinations and, um, you know, just different restrictions and curfews or whatever it is. Um, but let's, let's create the new normal in our, you know, in a new image. Let's not, let's not accept the fear-based new normal. Let's actually like bring our own energy to the table and, um, you know, figure out ways to connect and build community in a way that's going to be beneficial for everyone and and not having this kind of top-down, you know, structure, this hierarchy of, you know, corporations and religions and politics that are just governed from the top down. And we're kind of subject to being, you know, um, you know, essentially pawns in this, you know, hierarchy, this hierarchy or this, this patriarchy, you know, and um, have more of a communal, you know, decentralized future where, you know, and that's one thing I love about, you know, like cryptocurrency and and, and blockchain yeah. and, Bit- and Bitcoin, it's the decentralization of currency. And the same thing's happening in, you know, you mentioned spirituality, you know, we don't, less and less people are like maybe um, buying into like old religion um, structures where like you need to go to a church and have a priest and all these things. You can have a decentralized spirituality where it's personal and you can kind of, you know, design something that works for you. So all across the board, we're seeing um, decentralization of power, um, and, you know, community-based, um, initiatives that give me hope for a, you know, a better future and, you know, an, an actual new age of humanity. Absolutely. That's such a good point with, you know, decentralized, how powerful that is. And I think something shooting off of that is just autonomy of the self, right? Like thinking for yourself now. I think that's something that's going to be huge. Um, I I don't follow mainstream media. I'm, I'm aware of what's going on, obviously, but I just feel that it's fear pandering. It kind of keeps us in that low vibration. So 
I would encourage anyone out there listening, you know, think for yourself. Think about, you know, what's being presented to you. Question everything. I think that's huge, too, is to not just blindly accept what we've been told all of our lives. You know, start questioning that. Dive inward. You'd be surprised how many answers you can actually find listening to yourself rather than listening to some person on the news telling you what you should think. And that has me hopeful for the future, too, as I think a lot of people now are finally starting to figure things out for themselves. Like you said, decentralized even with spirituality. You know, it's not one size fits all. It's not you have to do this. You have to be this way. Um, it's just an overall sense of autonomy that I think is is going to be on the rise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the same with education. Like, you know, we used to have to go to a, a university and get all this training and something that didn't turn out to be that useful. And it was more student student debt driven and, um, you know, just kind of like proving that you had the right criteria. And now it's like, you can learn how many different people are out there offering different kind of online coaching and like, so di- many. you know, there's, there are so many people you can learn from and you can become a well-rounded expert in so many things without setting foot in a traditional university. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, it's funny you say that because I've said now, I'm pretty sure if you tried, you could get an entire college education on YouTube. Like there's so much out there that you don't need, you know, the degree, the certificate. I mean, what I'm doing with my life now, I'm not even using my college degree for. So, um, yeah, again, like you said, sort of these old systems falling apart, but when they fall apart, that's what paves the way for the new stuff to come in. Exactly. You have to you have to jump into the unknown before you know what it's going to look like. (laughs) Yeah, that's scary, but that's what we have to do. Nobody knows what the future has to hold, right? I don't have a crystal ball. You don't. We're kind of just figuring out it as we go, but we know what we don't want. So let's not put our attention there. That's what I think. Exactly. And um, it's, it's exciting. It's kind of terrifying, um, but ultimately, you know, we're all on a journey and that's what we're here to do. You know, we didn't come to earth. You know, I, I kind of believe that we, you know, our souls are here for a reason. Um, and that reason isn't just to live a, you know, a, a predictable life where everything's kind of, you know, you're going to get a job and go to work every day for, you know, decades, and then you're going to retire and then you're going to you know, spend time with your grandkids. It's like, there's not all that's it's, 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 it's a nice, it's a nice life. And that's kind of what our parents and grandparents and for generations have really been doing. But, um, you know, being born into a situation like this to me is such a valuable experience for our souls, you know, and, um, after every, uh, after every challenge in life that I faced and I I look back on it and I can see, even though I was uncomfortable in the moment, I can see how much I learned from it, how much I grew from it and how valuable it was for me as a person. And I really hope and and do believe that one day we're all going to look back as a, as a collective at this time and think, look how much we grew and learned from that. And we couldn't be where we are now without having gone through that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm in the same boat. I think that this is going to be collective, you know, growing pains, shadow work, as I said. And, 
something that we will eventually look back on and say this was this was the necessary pain right that sort of was the catalyst to push us where where we really just need to be but it took this kick in the butt this fall down to just get us to to wake up to that that's what i think amen yeah (laughs) so um so switching gears a little bit if people are interested in staying connected with you where can they find you where can they check out your stuff i'm mostly on instagram Um, my handle is words are vibrations Um, i share pretty much daily you know memes poetry but like what i try to make it like exciting funny poetry not you know boring poetry um and um, I, I have a, a, a new-ish podcast that you can check out. I'm, you can f- find it on my Instagram account. But um, that's pretty new. But we're going to do some cool stuff with that as well. But um, Instagram is probably the best way. Yeah. Let me tell you guys, his Instagram account does not disappoint. Every single day I see those posts, they make me smile. So check out Words Are Vibration. I'm telling you, Words Are Vibrations with an S. Um, like I said, it certainly won't disappoint But James, thank you so much for coming on. This was an amazing uh, little interview. So I'm so glad that I could chat with you today. Yeah, thanks, Haley. This was great. I appreciate you bringing me on. Yeah.